talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome to the final episode of <laughs> The West Wing being covered here on More Like The Worst Wing our show, we're here now in 2023, we take a look back at formerly Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, The West Wing, from a bit more of a leftist, socialist, modern perspective. I'm Dave. And I am Stu. And we are here to discuss the finale episode, which is entitled Tomorrow. Uh, and uh, to kick off my thoughts on this, I feel that the writers are handed such a gift here, in that... All they have to do is basically show Inauguration Day happening. Like, we already know what Inauguration Day is politically. It exists as a thing. We know about how the peaceful transfer between presidents works. So the entire structure of this episode is already pre-made for them. And they are fit to just sort of, like, color in the lines and add sort of, you know, character moments here and there. And given that, given that there's no room for, like, a Seinfeld finale type situation where they do something, you know, completely unexpected and leave people going like, what the hell was that? Like that, that, that can't happen here. So given that it's a real shame how boring and shitty this, this finale turns out to be. (laughs) I mean, I, having come so far, I mean, here we are, you know, 17 years down the road, like, I don't have much in the way of conscious memories other than for Star Trek The Next Generation of like Big when finales. a finale happened being like a a fixed temporal point in my life. Like I I don't honestly remember sort of the emotions that even go into just generic end of TV show because I was well into by the time this was airing like I was well into my oh, I don't even own a TV man phase, <laughs> phase where sure. where I then reconnected eventually with the advent of like a shitload of piracy and streaming streaming services mm-hmm. like then it became a thing that I was catching up on so I don't have any specifically attached memories to when this was happened but I just can't it's it feels like such a fucking wet fart now like I don't yeah I don't get it it's For a a drama finale, like, and and I know this is a well we have dipped into over and over, but, like, nothing happens. (laughs) Like, obviously, you know, Bartlett leaves, Santos comes in, and I guess no governing really happens on this day, so that's fine or whatever. But, like, nothing character-based really happens either. You know, nothing nothing major happens. There's no no spice to this. It just feels like... I don't know, it just feels like instead of wrapping characters, and I guess there's kind of a back and forth here, but like instead of wrapping up character arcs or like putting a pin in characters and being like, we're going to leave you on this great note, it's doing it with The Office and, and the various positions yeah. where it's like, oh no, absolutely, well, here, absolutely. It's this, a- this person's going to be the next Lily Tomlin. And it's like, well, I don't right. fucking care. Like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of people moving in, people moving out. You're right. It's a lot more focused on the White House as, like, location, as character sort of thing. Yeah. Where, you know, Rana gets that moment where she steps into the West Wing and gets to have the, like, the, oh, it's the most sacred ground in politics. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm here. No, this is your office, ma'am. Yeah. That's such a weird thing, too. Like, being, like, the 
head secretary. You know what I mean? Like you're on the one hand, you're like the the most powerful secretary in the nation in theory. On the other hand, you're just like the secretary still. It's such it's such a weird dynamic. Yeah, and I mean, this is uh, it should be understood that it's not to like demean the position of administrative no. assistance, but it's just like no. what is how relevant is this to the arc of the show? Because frankly, the arc of the show has spent its time shitting all over administrative assistance and they and being like, you know, the the erudite what? liberal appeal to superiority. Yeah, You're just, right. And also they they also like to say that they're the ones who truly get things done at the end of the day. And and without them, you know, the the higher ups would be worth, you know, you know, chickens without their heads sort of yes. thing. Yes. I, so they just, like to have it both ways. Yes, it's an yes. inherent contradiction. I mean, obviously, because, yeah. you know, you have to make, you make for the drama because it's supposed to be about the staff and that's fine and getting the sausage made and blah, blah, like an inside peek and whatever. And so it both has to at once like venerate and exalt the actual holders of the offices while somehow simultaneously being like, no, those fuckers, they don't do shit. Like it's all down to the assistant secretary to the interior about, like forestry or whatever like right right owing a favor to to donna yeah gets gets things done uh but yeah so we have jed on the way out we have santos on the way in jed there as you say in your notes there's this episode opens with a lot of like men thinking seriously <laughs> about like oh shit today is the day it's but we so open good. on like we open on Jed being like, oh, my last day. And then we open on, then like, we cut to like Santos, then Josh being both like, oh, my first day. <laughs> and, Do- and and Donna comes back to bed with Josh with a face full of makeup to be like, hi, uh, no woman does this. <laughs> <laughs> hi, I'm going to do this, but nobody in real life would ever do this. Like, um, we also get like, it's. President Dad sitting there in his fucking like quarter zip executive sweatshirt or whatever, and then Cool Dad, future president Cool Dad is like in his jammies in the windowsill, just doing a uh, doing like the uh, the plaid pajamas healthcare boy brain <laughs> out the window, being like, oh yeah, you know, you ever sit and like contemplate things, man? You ever you ever think about how I'm gonna be the free leader of the free world in like twelve hours? <laughs> yeah. You ever, you ever think about genociding people for oil? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh it, yeah. Uh, as I said, it's just there's there's so much like room to milk some nice character moments, and it's just like the most West Wing thing we get of like man staring out window. You know, like this is like. Uh, well, it's no, it's we, it's, it's tropish. It's extremely waste, stereotypical of being like wasted oh, potential. Well, yeah. and, and like, just uh, we've said this all the time about the fucking writers at this point. It's just like, well, oh, uh, you know, how do we make this guy seem deep? Have him stare off into the middle distance for a time. Right. It's like okay. right. It's just right. so it's so trite. It's just like oh yeah. well, I've we got a solution. We don't even do we don't even do montages anymore. We just do the staring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so they're doing inauguration day and there's some bullshit about how cold it was. And I'd like to state that I was I was correct in my observation because I said something while we were watching and I was like, oh, my God, is it my fault that you know that the inauguration (laughs) day was initially set in the I think the Constitution as March 4th. Yes. 
it would have been a lot better weather. Not a lot better, but oh, better. <laughs> absolutely beautiful in D.C. usually by that point. But then in 1937, some enterprising soul, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, just said, no, it's January now. It, was that doing the thing that I was complaining about last episode where we have all these delays from when we were farmers and he was like, patching <laughs> one of them, basically? I, have, I actually don't know the, the like the provenance of why. What was, the, what was the reason? Yeah, like was it done because like, hey, we have aer- aeroplanes and trains now, and it doesn't take you know three months to get your caravan from. Well, at that at that southern- juncture, maybe he was like propitiating some funny weather gods, being like, "Please, we need to grow crops in those dust bowl states. How can I appease maybe. you?" Maybe. Who knows the reason? But yeah, uh, yeah, they're all complaining about how it's going to be cold. Santos wears like long underwear so he doesn't have to wear an overcoat so he can project youth and vitality, which kind of gets mentioned uh, by both sides, uh, the Santos and the Bartlett side. Uh, yeah, Josh takes over. Sam's there to be the Josh to, to, to Josh. And uh, yeah, Rana becomes the new Lily Tomlin. Uh, we get we do get some Lily Tomlin, which is nice. She's nagging the president the yeah. whole way of like of like and reminding him like thirty two minutes until like you know you're you're gone, sir. And as he does like his last things, uh, including a pardoning Toby, yay, yippee. I think Hooray. I think previously I said his sentence got commuted, not fully pardoned. If I did, I was wrong. He does get fully pardoned, uh, the same as everyone else. And B, he writes like a letter to Santos that we don't see the exact contents of, I don't think. No, or I don't believe if so. We did, if, we, if we did, I did not feel intrigued enough to freeze frame it and, and read what it said. But, yeah. Well, that's, uh, a, that's, then, a, that's a tradition in the White House, apparently, like when the outgoing president right. leaves, it's like leaves the fla- a note. It's, it's like the flak jacket thing that they keep all telling Will, uh, which is another running gag of, like, just make it funny. <laughs> like, um, but, yeah. And then, like, they just, you know, he moves out, Santos moves in. Like, that, like that's it. Like, nothing big happens. And they throw a train derailment in while Bartlett's still president just to have a couple of, like, throwaway lines of, like, oh, that's a state issue. Oh, I'll call the local Department I, of Transportation person and they'll settle it. Okay, great. We governed. It, yeah. It's kind of like, oh, no, please don't fucking bother me. It's my last day. It's, like, fuck off. Um, I know... I know exactly what it reminds me of. It's basically like, so in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's always has to be like a vampire or a monster. It's a monster of the week type show, right? But there's one episode where like her mom dies and it's treated very mundanely. It's not like a vampire killed her. She just like had an aneurysm and like died. And and that episode throws in one vampire at the very end. And I feels like such a like obligatory, <laughs> we have to have a vampire. It's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And this is this is West Wing's version of that, of we have to have them do governance. It's the West Wing. <laughs> Dude, I do not remember Buffy's mom dying. <laughs> it just came up in a YouTube video I just uh, watched. Nice. So it, it was fresh on the brain. But Perfect. yeah, that's actually a great episode of television. It's very it treats death very real, a lot better than most TV dramas do. Certainly back uh, then. But yeah. But yeah, this is absolutely the West Wing version of that of like we've got to, you know, let's have them do a governing. And it's <laughs> and like that's all it's there for. Well, it's yeah. It's so and stupid. The the way that they are forced to treat it seriously instead of fully leaning into it being like it's my last fucking day. 
Who right, cares? like it should have been. That should have been the joke. Exactly. That would have been great. That would have been fucking great if they all played it that way of like, uh, just foist it off on someone else. Yeah, I'm out of here in like 20 fucking minutes, <laughs> yeah. man. Like, screw this. Dude, like, that would have been hilarious. Like, like, my out of office is already up. Like, <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm going to set exactly. all of my emails to send you know, five minutes the afternoon. Mo- the movers like, are out the door. We're about yeah. to go to the speech, you know. Like, can't someone else do it? <laughs> <laughs> so that Absolutely. happens and Unfortunately nothing actually not. happens so. yeah they solve it off screen it happens off screen they solve it off screen it's it's a delightful dialogue only kind of problem I have a half paragraph note here about the what would Jesus do thing and I have oh, no right. idea why Oh, the, uh, the, uh, CJ gives somebody a what would Leo do? CJ gives Josh Got a what it. would Leo do bracelet. Got it, I remember. And that, that's what sparked your brain on that. Uh, because, okay. you know, they're they're discussing like, hey, any tips for being chief of staff? Well, just think what would Leo do? Da, 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 da. And, you know, very touching to John Spencer's memory or, or what have you. Uh, but, yeah, the, uh, what I wanted to say is you mentioned the work Stalker Channing has done because oh she is God. she can barely get words out. She has been freshly Botox, and I can tell it's this era of television that you can sort of time capsule of like when Botox got popular because <laughs> like this is also NBC, like the same show, uh, same channel, but two sh- shows down the hall, Scrubs. Uh, Jordan is getting yeah. also crazy amounts of Botox oh, right around the same bad, time because she's smoking what, hot. Yeah, she was. Ugh. I know. Yeah, she. Uh, so many pretty girls butchered their face with the Botox around this era, um, but yeah, hopefully it, it, it sort of mellowed out over time. But in this moment, yeah, she could barely get out the word like telephone. <laughs> she says yellow phone. <laughs> it's it's real bad. She kind of looks like a stroke victim. It's to be very honest. bad. It's like it's very noticeable. Yeah, uh, and we haven't seen her in a while, so presumably she was off getting this work done. Um, so it's just, it's very noticeable. It's like one of the only noticeable things about this episode. Oh, and the other thing is Aaron Sorkin shows up in this episode. Yeah. We get a, we get a couple cameos. Alan Alda's there being, cause he's secretary of state now. Uh, and they still had him around and Kristen Chetta was there and Aaron Sorkin is just there as like, like we, we get a shot of him in the audience and it's like, yeah, it's just like rando man at who, inauguration speech. Who is in this like the man? VIP in like the VIP balcony, not just like nowhere, you know, like. Oh, and um, Emma made sure to note that the one cameo we do not get is Glenn Close, who the show could oh, not right. afford to have reprise her role right. at this they point. Have, they have a off-screen female voice be yeah. the Supreme Court <laughs> Justice. And you are you viewer are meant to yeah they do not show they conspicuously do not show who is swearing in Matt Santos yeah very much so that's very funny uh, 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 Aaron Sorkin has famously claimed not to watch any of the episodes after he left the show you know nothing from season five six or seven so this would mean he has been in an episode of television that he himself has not watched at all <laughs> imagine just, the pressure just being like nope I, I absolutely will not. I refuse. They probably sent it to him for free because he was like in it, you know. That I imagine they do that, and he had to just like throw it away, yeah. unwatched. <laughs> no, I will not. <laughs> That's just funny to me. And well, also I want to note that he and Christian Chenoweth dated, or I think were 
dating at Possibly. Adel right before they, this time. They I, also I'm unsure on the timing. Yes. They look like each other. It's uncanny. I think part of it is the weird glasses. <laughs> But like they, their faces look like each other, and it's all they could be brother and sister, and it's just like, ew, this is. How do you? Ugh, you look and you see yourself, and ugh. I, I don't know. Was, you know well, and of course, it caused him a lot of problems because he fucking right. wrote an entire show of television, right? <laughs> to get back at Kristen Chenoweth. Half, basically, a good half of Studio sixty is just like him proxy getting out relationship battles he he wanted to have with Kristen Chenoweth by having his two standing characters yell at each other and it's so it was it's not a not a great show either so <laughs> no it, I, but that a story for another time perhaps um yeah that's most of our thoughts for this episode the last bit I want to touch on is that we get a lot of like you know oh saying goodbye to this office kind of moments or whatever, and the only one that hits even a little close to home is CJ saying goodbye yeah. to the press room, uh, because it reminds me of a simpler time. It actually has that nostalgia moment of like, oh, remember when CJ was press secretary, and it was you know she was just like battling the press and whatnot. They even throw in a press guy to come in and be like, ah, CJ, you know, it sure seemed like we hated you, but we loved you, <laughs> you know, have have that kind of moment, and like it's. It's the only bit of this episode that hits even a little bit clo- close to home emotionally, because the whole rest of it's a total dud. I just I love the the rant. It's another thing like we were we were talking about with like the hat must be a vampire. It's like nope. I guess we just gotta have a press guy show up to be like, gosh, we sure did like write all of these people as like soulless bloodsuckers on the administration. But here's one good one to say to send us all off. <laughs> He, on a heartwarming note. See, yeah. this is what you're talking about, about like having arcs with like a heartwarming note. CJ is the closest we get to that, where she gets that moment, and then she also gets the moment where she leaves the building, and two random people stop her and go like, hey, we just saw you come out of the gate. Do you work at the White House? And she gets to do the whole like, pause for a moment, smile. No, I don't work at the White House. Spring and, and my step. Away. I'm going to Los Angeles. So she's the closest she that we get to that kind of arc. And I guess it's appropriate. She's the best written character. Yeah, absolutely. And the only thing even close to consistent throughout the show. She's she's the heart of the show, as it were. So I guess it works best that she's the one who gets that moment. Because, like, you know, Bartlett gets it, but it feels very gravitas, grandiose. You know, when he's like, I'm thinking about pensive pause tomorrow <laughs> you know and they might as well just like flash the episode title you know like Man. get it get it <laughs> tomorrow the west wing and star wipe and we're out like we gotta fade to white in the beginning with the, with the episode title credit so this episode thinks it's pretentious as fuck i just want to point out <laughs> Well, and there's, I mean, speaking of pretension, there's all this shit with the transition stuff. And I know we harp on this a lot. I just want to get this note that even down to like the very last couple scenes with, with people, with characters who we are ostensibly supposed to care about and have a connection with and see them going through these shows. It's just every bit of the transition and coming up is just is fetishizing working. Like about yeah, here's your of, new job. Yeah, here's you your, get to work. Your new office. My gosh, you get to show up right. here every yeah. day. Oh yeah. There's a Donna office moment. There's a, a Rana office moment. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, that rhymes. Uh 
Yeah, there's every like a few characters get uh, Graham gets uh, Charlie's old oh, office. Yep, yep. Yeah, a few characters get a like, oh, this is my office. Well, actually, with Graham, it's inherently sort of rushed as a way to like show Charlie, like, yeah, man, life just goes on. Like, he's your new dude. Like, that's it. It's yeah. over. I actually kind of like how they play Charlie's bit. Yeah, it's sure. the only other bit that that hits even close to CJ's. But yeah, yeah, there's so much fetishization of the office space itself as like this holy, like you've made it. This is it, the upper echelon. You know, this is this is the brass ring. You you got there. <laughs> you you get to hurl your body into the golden thresher, yeah. not any for shitty full... iron thresher for you. <laughs> yes, yes, you get to overwork yourself in the halls of power. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that that does it mostly for the thoughts on the episode. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll come back and discuss some of our larger thoughts on the series as a whole. Concludes our trip through the West Wing. I mean, it's been. It is, <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we can do some air L- horns here. Listener, <laughs> listener, I have been cathartically deleting the episodes as I have gone along this season, uh, <laughs> hoping that I wouldn't need to go back for any particular reason. Or, worst case scenario, if I did, I, there are streaming options. But yes, it has felt so good, and it will feel wonderful to delete this final episode and be done with this show. <laughs> How many different ways can we say nothing happened? <laughs> well, and like, I, I appreciate anybody who has listened to us yabber for, because it is, yes, we're now two months, we're two months shy of taking five years to do this. And holy, I think, holy fuck. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I mean, what it, it is trite to say that like the last five years, the world has turned over at least once in a very real and material way with the ongoing pandemic here and and i think like even sort of not not like exercising my political demons you know via the the trump administration via becoming even more entrenched in my socialism like the failure of the bernie campaign to, to fucking appease all this shit like i i think it it drives home the point that like even on our horizon, which is two years short of how long this show ran on television, big things change in the material world. Oh, yeah. And we've had quite a few weeks where decades happen, as uh, Lennon said. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think that only only serves to emphasize the fact that a show like this presents a viewpoint of the world that is just that is childlike. In its sophistication. So stagnant, like, so clouded, so myopic, so like in, in in just completely unable to think outside the boundaries it's imposed on itself, basically. Yeah, and I think that's actually I'm I'm glad you said that because I was going to say something about like the it's not quite recursive. It's it it's self it's self limiting in, in that fashion where it's just like Yes. Yes, yes. Um, in, in that they select the kind of writers who wouldn't, you know, think of outside solutions to these types of problems. 
I was I was writing something earlier today about I, I don't know we'd probably talk about fucking Elon Musk and Twitter or whatever the fuck and it was sort of like a in in modern times where you can just be as as gormless and like fucking oblivious as sure. Elon Musk clearly is and not and not face any real consequences because right. we have come to a point we've come to a point where the that post-shame is shame era yes i mean honestly it's like even structurally i believe that there are things that will much like you know systemic capitalism it only seeks to reproduce and further entrench itself and that that transcends to people to social norms to media in this case and yes. i'm trying not to be too galaxy brained about it but it's just like well no fucking wonder we see the the liberal kind of hegemony the end of history types looking to this show and being like oh yeah well, this is great of course of course this is how things totally. go totally like as we remark half the purpose of the show is to be liberal fantasy and of course the inherent comedy in that is like look at what their fantasy is and it's like dude, <laughs> doing nothing man it's it's just keeping things going with no grand goal, no no great thing. Uh, the, the the best they ever want is the list of accomplishments Bartlett reads out when he's ranting to God, you know, about like decent economic numbers. <laughs> like that's that's the greatest goal of of the liberal plan. But yeah, you're right in that structurally, you know, our capitalistic forces, materialism, et cetera, et cetera, and all converge to produce something like the West Wing because there is a market for it and, and, and whatnot, market forces, et cetera, et cetera. But also, I would like to bring it back to the individual, though, to bring it back to the first four seasons, Aaron Sorkin himself is a man who, now looking at the you know, greater body of his work outside of the West Wing in this conversation, is a man who loves the process, who, who loves to see hyper-competent individuals team up to do a thing together. And what that thing is doesn't really matter. He kind of writes it all the same, which is this is why something like Studio 60 doesn't quite work, because it should have the tone of a 30 Rock, but he writes it with the tone of a West Wing. And that works for the West Wing because we're dealing with the White House and the president and real big, you know, important shit, you know? But for Sports Night or for Studio 60, he does it in the exact same tone. <laughs> Of like, oh God, you know, we have to put together this fucking sports center type show. It, if we don't, the world will end. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you're not you're you're not capable of being a caretaker of empire if you're a showrunner on a comedy. Right. Bit. Right. Like you 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 can't enact this worldview or 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 to your point, like create it as a fantasy of your you know your let's be honest your ideology. If it's like, well, this is a you know, this is a show about a bunch of comedians who go live on television right. every Saturday right. night. To make a comedy <laughs> sketch show where often the joke is someone farted. And like 30 Rock rolled with that and made like Fart Doctor and made their show stupid <laughs> exactly. within the within the show. And that's the, that's the way you have to go with it if you're going to be funny about it. Whereas Sorkin <laughs> went the complete opposite route and said, no, our shit is super important and serious and like... It affects politics and, like, the real world, man. <laughs> it's fighting! It's fighting! And I think, um, like, Bradley Whitford carrying over <clears throat> from 
from West Wing to Suicide Squad. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll look at it somewhat objectively. Like talented actor, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, the, the casting in Suicide Squad was phenomenal. Heck, the fucking mm-hmm. casting is the West Wing is. Yeah. Phenomenal. Oh, we always rave about the casting, even just for bit people. Like they they constantly knock it out of the park. Yeah, and it just it it almost feels like even more like piling insult upon injury to be like, hey, hey, guess guess what? I'm I'm gonna take your talent and and frankly, there's also a dialectic there too, because I think knowing like how Bradley Whitford perceives himself, how Martin Sheen perceives himself, it it is also reinforcing of their shitty participation in this ideological project oh absolutely you'll notice like rob lowe didn't come over you know uh yeah (laughs) and yeah and like if anything bradley woodford himself has become this meta joke of a thing where like he doesn't realize why his line in get out about voting for obama for a third time is funny and like (laughs) like that adds so much to the bit it's it's so good that like you know that like he is the man that, that he portrays on the screen it's uh uh <laughs> well and and self self-reflection is not a skill that any that especially aaron sorkin has in in this regard because a a character just to, to keep drawing the comparison a character like jack donaghy i and I, I don't fucking know alec baldwin from you know whoever down the street but like but being put into a role like that and portraying this ironic um, sort of take satire. of a, a hyper satirical version of yourself uh, of an I executive, think, yes, <laughs> yeah, I think earnestly stands the chance in a very limited view, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, media is going to change the world. It stands the chance of making even an actor think it, differently. It gets people thinking, absolutely. Yeah, where you know, yeah, Thirty Rock is very clear on the side of like, hey, you know, the corporate stooges are the quote unquote bad guy, even though Jack gets humanized a lot over the course of the show. But yes, it, you know, it, it gets that dynamic of like, ah, uh, workers versus executives, you know, <laughs> well, churning in one's head at least a little. Yeah, and even even reserving the capacity to utilize the Jack character in a self-satirical way or or I I would say or allowing himself to be humanized and seeing like peek behind the curtain or whatever and I'm not saying that actual executives have a soul because they don't (laughs) right but but TV character ones absolutely it it makes (laughs) you able to see that comedy exactly Uh, or better it would even make for good drama too better storytelling in general exactly yeah because I think ultimately it is it is a slight chicken and egg problem because again I have no I have no modern political thought in my brain that exists from a time prior to West Wing influencing it. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't <laughs> recall when I was fifteen having particularly ideological thoughts. So all I remember the, is the, Bill Clinton played the saxophone and Animaniacs made fun of it. <laughs> exactly that was basically my political brain at the time (laughs) well and so so it's the west wing portrays these characters as exactly everybody as exactly how everybody thinks they are there's no this is exactly the image of a west wing speechwriter this is exactly the image of the white house chief of staff this is exactly what the the fucking what's their names the the two analysts in the white house look like there's no, there's no 
contradiction or drama to be played with characters. Everything is just like, oh yeah, this is it. Oh yeah, like of course this is what it's like. Oh yeah, and then there are varying degrees of emotional assholeness, but there's never any departure from no. the image. No, not really. Or if they do, it's a bit character. It's like, you know, when um, Ned Ryerson plays like the UFO guy or whatever. You know, something like that can be wacky or, or, or Ed Begley Jr., but just as a contrast for our mains sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's set up intentionally as a, oh, this guy's a crank. Like, it is, it's not telegraphed, it's it's spelled out for yeah, the audience. Yeah, so that you, viewer, can understand that this man is such a crank that our, you know, our mains are so reasonable in comparison. <laughs> yeah, so I think within, within like, its, its little proscribed reality, it almost becomes tautological, where it's like the the, the type of people who were apt to be fans of the West Wing are just reinforced in their convictions and then create additional, I mean, I'll be honest, propaganda products <laughs> of this strike because sure. it's all just, it all just goes in a circle. Right. And uh, yeah, people who grow up watching this then become the writers who, you know, which is, it's like why Simpsons got bad kind of thing where like, you know, you, you've grown up on it. So all you can do is self-reference you can't actually invent your own original creative thought at all. And yeah, it's, it's, it's real frustrating with the show that, again, to go back to the well of nothing happens, that nothing that big or structural really does happen. You know, you look at some other political sh shows or I'm just like spitballing off the top of my head, like I haven't watched a ton of them. But like Designated Survivor, for example, that has a big gimmick of like, you know, most of the government dying or so, I don't know, something like uh, Madam Secretary. I haven't watched that at all, but I understand, you know, like that has a gimmick, too, of like it focuses on a fake Hillary Secretary of State sort of thing. West Wing didn't really have a gimmick per se. And so it was just sort of generic, like, hey, we're just going to show how, you know, Washington, D.C. works, how, you know, the presidency uh, works and how you know all the staffers do their thing and but then like you would think that would be the perfect platform for like them launching like big sort of new deal style legislation even if it's not like leftist in spirit per se at least it should be large and, and like in, you know impactful and that i don't know i guess the show thinks it's doing that and just like and fails to provide the proof yeah, I think be because, again, we kind of enter into the little prescribed bubble in which it exists. It can only imagine. It can only picture, so like, uh, to the you know, being like Bill Clinton, but, like, better, <laughs> you know, like. Well, yeah, because it's it's coming out of the fucking the Fukuyama, like, and this history. is now. Right. This is now the understanding of the hegemony going forward. Bartlett could not become, like, I don't know, a neo-communist or, uh, or, I don't know. Again, it doesn't even have to be leftist per se. But, like, I don't know. What's what's the liberal version of something that's super successful? And I'm afraid the answer is the West Wing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we can talk about, like, uh, kind of, like, uh, this gets way into things that I'm actually not too familiar with. But, like, talking about talking about this is this notion of this show as the spectacle. Because it, it, it takes the, the opportunity... To, to sort of... It, it makes all the politics, like, easily digestible by using the tropes of, of TV storytelling. 
to, to make you, the viewer, think like, ah, oh, I've got a handle on, like, politics. I've watched West Wing, you know? Yeah, and I don't think DeBoer didn't take... DeBoer doesn't take this direction with his thought, but there's a way to describe it as just, like, this is just what the the next step that the, I guess, the economic force of the market took to capitalize and entrench itself. Like, you can... This is, oh, we have this opportunity to do this, and we're going to, but we can't change it or criticize. (laughs) Sure. It's a a circus for people who think they're smarter than the circus. Yes. Yes. And I I think it was, that was its its gimmick at the outset. It was, oh, nobody's done this yet, right? Right. Like, we're going to be smart. We're going to be capital P political, you know? Yeah, we're going to be, like, real and raw. Yeah, and I, I haven't really been able to articulate this because I'm using, like, I'm using spectacle from critical theory in, in an inappropriate fashion here, but there's something there, too, like, where it's just, it is, in a way, the media rules the, like, the, the perspective instead of the other way around. Or, like, the, the media defines the ideology sure. instead of the other way around. Sure, superstructure and structure kind of thing. Understood. Uh, yeah, but... Um... Otherwise, I mean, I don't, I don't have much... Like, we, we've said pretty much all there is to say, and God knows we're limping through the last season here. <laughs> yeah, um, especially with the new writers. You know, say what you will about the Sorkin years themselves. I think there were less times that we just said, like, ugh, I'm bored, or, like, I don't know why <laughs> this is happening, or something like that. Like, I feel like he at least gave a narrative energy that would carry you throughout an episode. Or there would be, like, a funny enough banter bit, or some a good character moment. He was good at writing those. His overall problem was consistency, I would say. And the fact that he's just, like, a giant liberal, of course. But, like, just from a writing perspective, I'd say it's that, like, he he was... If he was, like, when he was on, he was on. But he wasn't on all the time kind of thing. Yeah, it it very much seems like a a guy who's who's heavily into cocaine. Yeah, exactly. It kind of reads like that kind of writing. It has it has peaks and valleys, almost like <laughs> almost like the upper up up moods and down moods associated uh, with the, the drug. Don't you like, say cocaine ideas around him? He's just a kid. <laughs> with the drug like the cocaine. Yes. Don't, don't you dare do cocaine at me, you son of a bitch! Yeah, the I, I don't. And honestly, again, I think ultimately the the thrust of the criticism that we've developed is just the, the how it is cyclical and reinforcing yeah. of itself. Which... Tot- and the total lack of imagination, even within the liberal sort of like self-rules it has given itself, you could still do a lot more. And they sort of just intentionally hamstring themselves by saying like, oh, you know, but Republicans or or whatever excuse they kind of want to fling at the wall. Yeah, and again, we're coming at this from I mean, <laughs> decades down the road here it's, almost. It's, where... it's that thing, Bartlett, you know, where Bartlett's having his moment in this final episode and, and Abby has to be come up to him and kind of just like lie and be like, you did a lot of good, honey. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, did he though? Did he? Did we see any good? Not, yeah, a, what, not what, a lot. What, what do you think of as good? Because I mean, I know what I saw for seven seasons. Like it was, it was just maintaining 
thing, what's happening. Yeah, like, he, he got the economic numbers you get when you're supposed to, like, have, you know, the normal, like, economic growth that, that like, our economy ex- experiences when you don't have, like, a pandemic hit, you know? Like, this is also something, like, if, if we're actually just to go back and to my original point about, like, the material changes in stuff, like... I I am I am okay to suspend disbelief and take different perspectives and look at stuff, but anybody who finds like having a negative quarter of GDP growth compelling as the like the the conceit of an episode of television is deeply deranged. Like I imagine being the type of person who goes, "Oh my god, I'm so excited." Last week. The economic numbers came out on the show. What What do you think is going to happen, you guys? How do we like? Are, are we going to need to like incorporate some new tariffs into? I'm just like, yeah. Uh, Speaking what? it with with, with breath, breathless uh, wonder, one would speak about like the shooting episode. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and there are so many episodes that are just like, oh yeah, that's that's the conflict. Right. Well, like, oh this this one's like abortion, but not really. We're not going to dig into it too much. <laughs> or like this one's racism, but not really. You know, like that's every episode had like a, a flavor, a smattering of whatever issue we thought it was going to discuss, but not never really digging too deep into any of them. Well, that also speaks to, as you had mentioned earlier, like there's a superstructure at play here too, where it's just like Bartlett, that is Bartlett can't just like you know ban the Second Amendment in the show. Like that just can't happen. Even even though that would be like really fucking interesting. And, like, you could mine, like, a whole season of drama out of that. Again, I think there's also, like, a market at play, too, where it's just, like, within a a broadcast television acceptable discourse in the United States of America, of course it was never going to deviate. Of course. This is airing on the same network as, like, Friends. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this isn't... Yeah. It's not saying out to blow your mind in that kind of way. But yeah, it's it's just like it's pathetic even in the goals it has set out for itself. I yeah, the, yeah, even in trying to make what you even if you take a good faith approach to making what you can out of those strictures that are imposed both externally and internally and internally rather, it it comes up short. Yeah. I and I think it's just a failure of of showing the results on the show. It gets back into that stuff we talk about how, like, Toby helps one homeless guy, but they can't help, like, all the homeless people. Or they just don't – they don't have a way to show it or something. Or they don't want to. You know, what a, yes. I'm not a mind reader. But, like, ultimately, I, they don't help the homeless people at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's ultimately there's a bunch of convenient excuses for, to deploy when they need to. Mm-hmm. You can say – Oh gosh, we would have loved to do that, but uh, just, there was but a Republican how would we film Congress. That? Republican Congress, you know. No, I think uh, from a production oh, sure. standpoint of like, how do we show all the? I yes. don't know. I, I I can picture ways of doing that on the budget. You know, you show one homeless center somewhere and you extrapolate kind of thing. Like the way the, you know there are ways they have shown nationwide things to us before. When like you know during the election they'll cut to like the one polling place where Donna is trying to like flag down someone to switch votes with her. You know, do something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think, again, they'll just... It's just a failure. The writers would... Yeah, a failure. Yeah, well, they they would retrench. They'd retrench to that. Yeah, they're just like, no, we're not going to, like, have Bartlett cure homelessness. That's insane. What are you, a a fairy tale (laughs) wizard? (laughs) Which I think, and actually kind of as, like, a closing point, I think that is 
as I as I exited my oh man I don't even own a TV man type of phase like I increasingly just prefer to watch like I'm gonna be honest like fantastic stuff because I am I am fully spectacle pilled like I just want to see the blinky lights I want to see the 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 murdery stabbings like because because there is no as someone who is, and anybody who's listening to this qualifies, welcome to our little club here or whatever. It's like as someone who pays enough attention in their every single day life to shit like policy frameworks for homelessness, erratic, whatever it is. Like, I don't want to watch a fucking television show about, <laughs> about it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, where like the meat and potatoes of it is all this bullshit that you would much rather like be solved so you didn't have to deal with it. <laughs> well, and I think that's also a very good point because everybody individually, most everybody individually, most you know, one, one percenters not, ex- yeah, excluded. Yeah, do not like the idea of, like, dealing with politics in this way. Yeah, I think there was, there was a point the other day, I was reading a post about it, and they were just like, um, people, like, it said something to the effect of, and I'm going to butcher it, it's just like, it would be way better off if people didn't have to think or worry about politics. Right. And because the systems were fixed enough or good enough that they could, you know, afford to focus on their actual lives. Or even to a, like a, another degree, because I'm not entirely certain about that because I, I truly believe that every person is responsible for being active and engaged and, and fighting like hell for, you know, Frankly, socialism. Oh, but certainly like, in this world. But yeah, I could imagine yes. a, a better world where perhaps one did not have to. Yeah. So if because and that is inherently stressful. And I I cannot imagine going through my everyday life here being like, you know, like business is not so great. Like the school is failing. You know, I've got COVID outbreaks, you know, all this stuff. Like how do, can I fix my car because I need to get to work, whatever. Why on earth would I then want to wind my day down? In your free time. Yeah, watch watching a show about people essentially refusing to deal with any of those. Refusing to help me out even a yeah, little bit. Not just that. You're watching a show about portraying a fictional version of the people in charge who have made all the decisions that have trickled down to make your life a hell that you're currently dealing with, that you're just trying to use your free time to escape from. Yeah, who wants to be reminded of this unless you're very sick in the head, Obama boy style? Yeah, and and again, kind of in a self-reinforcing way, it's like, of course, that's the type of person that's going to be watching this. Absolutely. Like, like, like I said, it's the Leo pointing meme when that kid goes, I want to be a White House speechwriter. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm, that's me. <laughs> yeah, so... All in all, um, I think we've had a great project. I We haven't really spoken about future collabs in too much depth, but I do enjoy bouncing ideas sure. off of you. Absolutely. And I think from how much we've discussed the man himself and how much this next project of his ties into his life and whatnot, I think it's worth, if not an episode-by-episode episode breakdown, certainly an exploration of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Uh, as yeah, one maybe of, we can do an ancillary our, episode. As yeah, a bonus episode, perhaps, or something like that. Yeah, I yeah. think that'd be good. I like that idea. And then, yeah, we'll kind of figure it out from there. Uh, I don't know if we'll stay entirely Sorkin-themed, 
or just kind of doubt it. There's yeah. nothing. There's nothing more there's, worth visiting. Yeah, <laughs> Sorkin. not really. Not in the political sense. After Studio sixty, I don't think. I a newsroom. People keep saying maybe we could do like a bonus newsroom half episode or something like that down the line, uh, or something like that. Uh, but yeah, may, or just jumping off to other media and taking a look at it politically or something like that. But uh, we'll we'll get into the details of that later. Yeah. And so thank you for listening. Um, yes. If you've made it all the way through this series with us, <laughs> that's frankly amazing. Um, God, God knows, like, fuck, I've been posting on something awful for 15 years now. So this has been a third of my tenure um, as a official registered goon. And I'm looking through like. I'm looking through the first couple pages of our thread on the forums, and there are like five posters in our thread alone who have been banned or perma banned and never came back. Uh, hopefully, they're still listening. Uh, it would be nice, out but there. yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks as always for everyone who's listened. Uh, we'll take some much needed time off, but then we'll be back uh, to do some Studio 60 bonus content, perhaps. Uh, or to jump into something else. But yeah, we, we truly appreciate it. This was like just a dumb gimmick idea that spawned from a couple of posts. But we hope we brought some joy, some laughter, some information. Uh, something that gets your noodle thinking uh, to you. Uh, particularly during... Man, we started this in a pre-pandemic era. and Yeah, and, no shit, right? You know, we partic- transcended the boundary. <laughs> particularly during the pandemic. Hopefully it was there to, to be with you during those harder times. Uh, as we we still face them, uh, but yeah, thanks as always for listening, everyone. Um, and we'll be back uh, with more of the worst wing. I guess we'll keep calling it that. I don't know. We'll, sure. we'll see. That's fine. Why not? Whatever. Yeah, we'll stick with the title uh, as we continue to discuss more media things in the future. But thanks, thanks for listening. We love you. And y'all stay safe. Bye bye. Bye. But if you ask me to boss my children, I hope the cops take down your name. So love me, love me, love me, I'm a liberal. Yes, I read New Republic and Nation. I've learned to take every view. You know, I've memorized Lerner and Golden. I feel like I'm almost a Jew. But when it comes to times like Korea, there's no one more red, white, and blue. So love me, love me, love me, I'm a liberal. I vote for the Democratic Party. They want the UN to be strong. I attend all the Pete Seeger concerts. He sure gets me singing those songs. And I'll send all the money you ask for But don't ask me to come on along So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Je vais faire de la tectonique avec toi mon petit cœur oh, 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 oh. <coughs>